If you recall last week, Pastor Bill was teaching from John uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. He talked about abide. And we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us. And if you remember, Jesus says in, in John 15, 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And what Pastor Bill was challenging us was what kind of person ought we be if Christ abides in us. He shared with us the word abide comes from the Greek word meno, meaning to rely on or to remain on or to continue on a daily basis. In other words, Christ wants a people who are continually devoting to being an Acts 2 church and having an ongoing relationship with him. Well, today, I thought we would kind of peel that onion back another layer and take a little deeper look at what are, it means to have the distinctives that identify us as believers, especially to all those who are around us who watch our lives and scrutinize our lives day by day, moment by moment. What are our distinguishing marks that set us apart? Now, as I've gotten older, the distinguished word seems to be popping up more. I think it's a kind way of saying that I'm old, but I have hair. So, for those of you who are follically challenged, I suspect that you're just as distinguished as I am, but that's okay. But, you know, the, the, the Lord tells us regarding our distinctiveness that we are to be holy because he's holy. We are to be set apart from the world because he's set apart from the world. So today's message is titled, What Are Our Distinguishing Marks? How many of you have been to New York or been around the New York area in your life? Okay, quite, quite a few of you. Well, have you been there? Uh, there's, or if you haven't been there, actually, New York City is composed of five boroughs. There's Staten Island, Manhattan Island, there's the Bronx, there's Brooklyn, and there's Queens. And those make up the city of New York. But there's also, in that area, Long Island. Across the river from the Hudson is New Jersey, and just north of, of uh, New York is, is Boston. But if you ever go back there and you spend some time there, You'll, and you start listening to the people from the different areas, you will notice that they have very distinct dialects. If, for example, if you go up to, to Boston, yeah, the word car is ka, right? If you go to New Jersey, it's New Jersey. If I think if you're from Brooklyn, and maybe you can tell me, it's like, yo, rocky, you know, something to that effect. But my wife... Linda is from Staten Island. And she's been out here in California for a long time, so she's kind of lost her, her accent. But if you listen to her very carefully, you'll still pick up part of that. And though her name is Linda, when you hear her speak, it's, and ask her her name, it's Linder. So when you go back there, each of these areas has a distinct dialect, a distinct of, of who they are that separates them and makes them look differently 
than the other groups, even though they're a very small area in which they, they live. And we as believers also have our distinguishing marks. They are the characteristics that identify us with Christ that makes us Christians and are no longer in the world. Well, there's two primary marks I want to talk about. The first one are the marks that people see in us that sets us apart, that distinguishes us as Christians. It is the fruit of our lives that adheres to a higher standard that comes from a continual ongoing relationship with Christ. We see that in our, our prayer life. We see that in our time with our study, Bible studies. We see that in our daily reading and the fellowship we have here in small groups with other believers. There's also the fruit of our lives that comes from handling in a Christ-like fashion the trials and the tribulations and the temptations that come into our lives. We also see the fruit of our lives that comes from an uncompromising and unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. The second type of marks are the actions and the applications of our faith that impact the lives of other people, our family, our friends, our children, and our grandchildren. You see, each of us, whether we realize it or not, leave indelible marks on the lives of those who are around us. We impact people by the way in which we treat them. We impact people by the way in which we care for them. We impact people by the way in which we honor them and the way in which we love them. And there are people sitting in our congregation today who, are ex- who have impacted the lives of people all around them. They have impacted the lives of, by the way, who, by the people they are. They have done so by what they have done in the ministries that they've had within this church. And there's hospitals all over Southern California that will testify to that. They know that the minute they check in a person from the Rock Community Church, that come the next morning about 5 o'clock in the morning, there's going to be about 40 people in their lobby praying for that person. That's who we are. And every time that happens, they are left with impressions of who we are as believers and who our Lord is. I had a friend of mine. His name is Ken. Back when I was in purchasing back in the late 80s, 90s, 80s, uh, I had a friend of mine. I worked in industry in the computer field, and I had a friend of mine who was a marketing manager. I didn't know a lot about Ken at that time. But uh, we would go once a year to the Comdex show in Las Vegas. It was there, kind of a computer show that was there always the week before Thanksgiving. And so Ken was going to be there, and I said, listen, Ken, I, you know, let me go with you and walk the floor and kind of look at the different product line. And he said, sure, Fred, come along, and we did. And so we spent the whole day kind of walking up and down the aisles looking at different products that we were going to purchase for our company. And at the end of the day, he said, do you want to have you know, dinner. I said, oh, sure. Now, I didn't know that Ken was a believer at that time, and I certainly wasn't. So I said, fine. So we went over. We were at the Hilton. We went over to uh, Benihana's there at the, at the hotel. And we sat down to eat. And he said, by the way, do you mind if I share Jesus Christ with you? I, I, yeah, but Ken, I mean, come on. You know, let's, let's don't take all night. 
there's a, there's a hot crap table with my name on it, and, you know, let's kind of let's just get it going. He said, that's okay, that's okay. So we talked for about three hours, Ken and I. And when we were done, I said, well, you know, you kind of want to go out and hit the town a little bit. He said, no, just take me back to my hotel room, and uh, I just got some reading to do. I go, yeah, okay. So I drove him back to his hotel. Now, his hotel was kind of downtown and off the beaten path a little bit. It was, I don't think it even had a neon sign on the front of the building. I mean, it was a very inexpensive hotel that he was staying at. Very frugal, and if you want to use that word. So I dropped him off, and I went off and did my thing. And the next day, I was kind of driving home late at night, and it started to, to wear on me. It says, you know, it's like, what was that all about? What in the world just happened? I'm in Las Vegas. God sends somebody to Las Vegas to witness to me. Now, I kind of felt like, you remember that scene in, in uh, Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart? He says, you know, of all the gin joints and towns and all the world, she just happened to walk into mine. That's what it felt like. I go, what in the world are you doing coming to Las Vegas to witness to me? What is, you know, God, you sent somebody all the way out there for that. And that struck me so much. I have, That was 20 years ago. I can still remember exactly where we were sitting. He was sitting on my right. I remember exactly walking out to the parking lot to get our car. I can remember dropping him off at his hotel. Everything about that night, I can remember. That's the kind of impression that I, he gave to me that night about who Christ was in his life. Three months later, I accepted Christ. These are the indelible marks that we leave on people. Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. So if you have your Bibles, please open up your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16, 17, 18. It's kind of the closing of, of this chapter for Paul. And for most of us, we look at it and say, well, that's kind of insignificant. What can we teach or what can we learn? And you have to remember that it is an inspired word of God. There is nothing in God's word that's there by accident. And so everything we can learn from and everything that we can uh, glean information and nuggets from. So don't overlook any aspects of God's word and think they're insignificant. We're going to look at specifically verse 17, and within that, one word. So let's let's read it. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter that this is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the rain that helps replenish our, our hillsides, Lord. And we thank you for the blessings that you give us, the privileges that we can have to open up your word, to, to learn what you have to share with us today. And Father, we also want to lift up our pastor to you, that you'll continue to heal him, that you'll continue to... Uh, uh, minister to him, and that next week he'll be back uh, fully charged and, and ready to go. But Lord, we also want to lift up to you all of those in our church who are hurting, 
all those who are suffering, all those who are dealing with uh, lost uh, family members, that you would just bring a, a blanket of comfort around them, Lord, uh, and to just heal those processes and be with those who are just hurting, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Father, today, as Pastor John always said, please hide the messenger. Let just your word uh, come through, and, Lord, that your word would affect, affect and touch the lives of all people. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name, and all God's people said, well, verse 17 is our key verse. And in that verse, that Paul says that the distinguishing mark that he is that he writes his letters in his own hand. Now, you should know that Paul wrote most of his letters. But his eyes were going bad. And so often he would use a secretary to write for him. And that person's name was Tertius. And if you want to make a note and look that up later, you'll find that in Romans 16.22. But when that was the case, Paul would add an identifying signature so that the readers would surely know that it was he who wrote that letter. We also see that in, in Galatians and 1 Corinthians and also Colossians. But Paul did that in order that the readers would understand two things about him. The first was that the letters originated from him under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And second, and more importantly, that these letters were not just writings, but they reflected and represented who Paul was, what he believed in, what his principles that he stood for, the truths that he lived out. Paul didn't just write the letters. Paul lived the letters. And what we need to see and understand, it's not the signature on the page that distinguishes Paul. That's the signature that distinguishes him as the author. But the life behind the signature that distinguishes him as a believer. In Galatians, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And what Paul is saying that whoever he was is no longer who he is. He says that because he understood what the shed blood of Christ had done for him on the cross. He understood that because he understood the depth of the love that the Father had for him. And he understood that he served the Holy God, God who now lived inside of him. And now he had to live a holy life. Turn, if you would, to Galatians 6.17. It's hard for us to capture the essence of what Paul is talking about because you know, that's kind of like 2,000 years ago. And we don't really have a way of relating to what he went through and what he was dealing with. At least not today we don't. We may in the future. But he says in Galatians 6, 7, he says, From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. He said in 2 Thessalonians 3.17, You can identify my writings by my signature. 
But now in Galatian, Paul turns from his handwritten signature to his life signature and begins to show us what it means to follow Jesus. He says, I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. Very interesting choice of words. The words brand marks comes from the Greek word that I think most of you are familiar with, stigmata. It means to mark or brand upon the body. It was often used by slaves and soldiers to mark on their body whom their master was or their general that they belonged to. And what Paul is saying is that he bore on his body the brand marks that identified him with Christ. They were marks of persecution. They were both mental and physical that were placed there by the world who hated Jesus Christ and all who professed their faith in him. Paul was persecuted terribly for his uncompromising faith in Jesus Christ. Paul didn't have to go through the persecution, though. No. He could have watered down the gospel. He could have avoided all the confrontations and all the pain. But to do so, he would have had to water down and lessen what Christ had done on the cross. And Paul was not going to diminish what Christ had done for him and was willing to absorb all the persecution that the world had to hand out. That's how deep the love that Paul had for his Savior. And we can see further the depth of that commitment, the depth of that faith that Paul had when he says that he bears on his body the brand marks of Christ. I think most of us are familiar with westerns on TV. You're familiar with cattle ranches. You know that they brand into the sides of the cattle or horses or farm animals the brand that marks that ranch, like the Circle C. They do that to identify the cattle that belongs to that rancher. It separates them from the other ranchers. The cattle and livestock aren't the only thing that's been branded. Over the centuries and years, history tells us that people too have been branded. But today, believe it or not, branding has become an art form. In fact, compared to branding, tattoos, and piercing, kind of sissy stuff. Literally, branding is the heating up of a piece of metal that is applied to the skin and creates a pattern. That pattern, for those who participate in that type of marking, is their form of art. It's their form of expression. It is their way of telling others what they stand for and what they believe in. It is their way of distinguishing themselves from other people to truly understand the significance of what Paul is stating, we need to understand a little bit about what branding is about. The human skin burns at 160 degrees. The branding bar that those who partake in this type of branding that creates the markings and the welts all over the skin is heated up to 1,200 degrees and then applied to the skin. The markings are painful they're deep, and they're irreversible. And Paul says, in effect, this in Galatians. I have on my body the stigmata, the branding marks of the Lord Jesus, the deep, burning, painful marks of persecution that comes from an unwavering faith. And if you want to know 
if I truly believe what I have written, and if these things are real in my own life, then read my body. Look at the brand marks of my life. Look at my scars. It gives us a new understanding what it means to be crucified with Christ. His life reflected the suffering and the pain of of what Christ bore for us. And what are those brand marks that Jesus bore? Remember I said there's two kinds. The ones that set us apart and the ones that are impressions upon other people. Jesus bore the marks that set him apart from the hatred of the world, from persecution, from false accusation, betrayal, beatings, mockery, scourgings, and finally crucifixion. Though he bore those marks in order to show us what it takes to follow in his footprints and what it means truly to deny oneself, pick up our cross daily and follow him. He also bore the marks that impacted the lives of people for eternity. The marks are found in his hands and in his feet. He showed us a a life of faithfulness, a life of obedience, a life of servanthood, a life of submission. He showed us a life of forgiveness and a life of love. And he showed us a life that was untainted and uncompromised by worldly importance and worldly values. He left for us to follow, to contemplate, and to strive for the significance of what that means. He left for us eternal truth. He left for us a path of hope. And he left for us a promise that only he could fulfill. These are the brand marks that Paul is speaking about when he spoke of his own life, the brand marks of Christ. For he too bore on his body the marks of persecution, hatred, betrayal, and prejudice. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. Turn back a little bit from Galatians to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to take a look at what Paul is talking about. We're going to take a look at what he means in his own life when he speaks of the brand marks. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Trust me, one time, one set of 39 lashes was meant to kill you. Five times, he says, I received that. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Let me tell you about the stoning. Most of us think about picking up a little rock and kind of maybe skipping across the water or something. Stoning is, is boulders. And when they took the boulders and they threw them at you, at you, they meant to crush your head, they meant to crush your bones. You weren't supposed to live through a stoning. You're supposed to die. And he said, I've survived that. He says, three times I've been shipwrecked. The night and the day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers and dangers from my countrymen. So I've been in dangers from the Gentiles and dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness and dangers on the sea and dangers amongst false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. 
in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposed. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure of me, on me, of concern for the church. These are the brand marks that Paul endured and willingly accepted. They were the marks that set him apart, that identified him with Christ, marks of faithful, obedient servanthood to his Lord. But Paul also impacted the world. He wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 13 of the New Testament letters. They were letters written to impact the lives of every believer over and over and over again. Many of the writings he wrote from prison, the worst of all conditions. They were writings for us to read and for us to live by. But Paul was not alone in his sufferings. The path that leads to the narrow gate is paved with the blood and tears of all of those who call themselves believers and choose to live their life for Christ. You turn in your Bibles, if you would, back to Hebrews 11. It is the chapter that most of us are familiar with. It is the Hall of Fame in Scripture of all of those who are faithful. The writer writes this, that those who were faithful to their Lord, those who stood faithful and held on to the promises. He says they were, in verse 37, they were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted and they were put to death. They were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, all of these having gained approval through their faith. These were their marks. They were people who stood for something that was greater than themselves. They saw their lives as a living sacrifice, as an example of what it means to follow in Christ's footsteps. They were called to be salt of the earth. They were called to be light in the darkness. And they took their marching orders seriously It was a choice that they made every day when they woke up to choose to bear the marks of Christ in and through the lives they lived. They, like Joshua, were called to be strong and courageous. They did not play church. They lived church. They did not come to church late on Sunday carrying their Bible looking holy. They were holy because they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they served and worshipped a holy God. Church for them was every day of the week, 24 hours a day. They lived and breathed the word of God. And whenever possible, they planted it deep into the hearts and the minds of those who did not believe. And each was willing to pay the price to do so. They carried on their body the marks of passion for their Lord that was burned and branded deep into their hearts and souls. The challenges that you and I face today, tomorrow, every day of our lives are no different than those who have gone before us. 
They're just different. There's more of them, more challenges, more distractions, more clutter, more work, more demands, more temptations, more trials. And our faith is challenged every day by a world that could care less about Jesus Christ and would discredit our faith, our love, our walk, and our testimony by having us compromise the truth and intimidating us into irrelevance. But we, like Joshua, need to stay focused. We need to stand firm and hold the course. Remember what God said to Joshua back in Joshua 1 that Pastor John taught us a few months ago? Joshua 1.6, he said, Be strong and be courageous in the promises that God has made, in this very word that he has given to us. He said in verse 7, Be strong and be courageous in living out the word of God. And he says in verse 9, Be strong and be courageous in your faith. He says, For I am always with you. It is the love of the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that gives us the strength to endure all the things that the world will bring against us. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus tells us in John 15, 20, he says, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. The marks of persecution are our testimony of a Christ-centered life. And that testimony is forever ingrained in the minds of those who don't understand how strong our faith can be. They don't get it, and they don't know what to do with it when they see it in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, they never will. Our Savior knows. We cannot send mixed messages to the world of who we are. We cannot preach Jesus Christ and then act like the world. We cannot be in the world Monday through Saturday and in the kingdom on Sunday. We cannot have one foot on the train and one foot on the platform because sooner or later that train's leaving town. We have been called out of the world by God. We have been set apart from the world by God. And we are called to be holy because our God is holy. And our mark should be distinguishable and clearly seen. It should stand as a witness to our character and to our Lord is by the standards that we set, by the company that we keep, by the words that we speak, by the hope that we have, and by the way in which we honor one another by the love that we have for our Creator and His creation. A few months ago, I taught part of this message to our 180 group, to our junior hires and high schoolers. And on their wall, they had a, a big brown piece of paper. And on that piece of paper were a whole bunch of signatures of the students. The signatures represented their mark. Their statement to their friends, to their parents, to all who would walk into that room, of their commitment to follow Jesus, to be holy. 
to turn their lives around and live for him. It's an incredible statement for such young adults. But I said to them, that's just a start. But those signatures mean nothing if the life that stands behind them is indistinguishable from the world. However, I told them that the minute that you stand and you deliver on who you really are, you will lose friends. You'll be disliked. You'll be labeled. You'll be discriminated against. You'll be persecuted. Those will be your brand marks. Some of you here are married. You wrote your signature on a piece of paper also. It's called a marriage license. That was the easy part. But that signature, that commitment to, to love and honor and cherish your spouse, to honor your Lord with your marriage, means nothing if that marriage that the marriage behind that signature is nothing more than a train wreck filled with anger, with hate, resentment, jealousy, and unforgiveness. What message does that marriage send to your children and to your grandchildren in order for them to model their lives after? What message does that send to our Lord and Savior under whose watchful eyes we made those vows? If you made a commitment to your marriage, then you need to work on your marriage. You need to invest in your marriage. However, the minute that you do, the minute you set the bar in your marriage higher to live a godly marriage, to honor your spouse and to honor your Lord, you will be labeled. Your friends will find other couples more fun to be with. You'll be uninvited to parties. Your friends will quickly start to disappear. You'll be mocked by men and women who neither respect each other, let alone the sanctity of their marriage, nor the God who created it. And those will be your brand marks. Some of you have Bibles. One day you answered an altar call or an invitation to pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be the Lord of your life. And in the front of your Bible, you you or somebody wrote your name and the the date that you prayed. I have mine here. It's Fred Wolford, March the 4th, 1990. Answering the invitation, praying to receive Christ, getting a new Bible and writing your name on the inside part of it, that's the easy part. But it means nothing if that Bible sits on a shelf and collects dust and the life behind that signature is still wrapped up in the lust of the world and the cares, I'm sorry, the lust of the flesh and the cares of the world. You need to open up the Bible and read it and then live by it. You must become an Acts 2 believer, continually devoting yourself to the things of God. However, The minute you do, you'll be called a Jesus freak, narrow-minded, a bigot, homophobic, 
you'll be labeled, laughed at, and pointed at. You'll lose friends, perhaps your job, maybe even family members. Those will be your brand marks. Jesus says in Matthew 10:32, Therefore, if anyone who confesses me before man, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The man's enemies will be the members of his household. Now, the truth is, as we openly confess Jesus Christ, we will face persecution. And in the process, we will be discriminated against. It comes with the territory. But Paul is showing us in his life that, is that we have in Christ is more valuable, more precious than anything that the world can offer us. He tells us in 1 Corinthians, in Corinthians, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And whether you are Paul signing a letter or the students signing a piece of paper, or signing a marriage license, or signing the front of your Bible. It is not the signature that authenticates your life. It is the life behind the signature that authenticates your signature. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, I am not ashamed, for I know who I am believed in, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 3.17. He says, I write this distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. But if all we see in Paul is his signature and the ink and the paper that it is written on, then we've missed the mark. We miss everything that his signature represents. He represents everything that who he was, what he stood for, and what he believed in. And we miss the marks that set him apart and to find him as a believer in Jesus Christ. So where does that leave you and me? I think it leaves us at a point of contemplation and self-evaluation. For us to consider whether or not the pain the price is worth the pain. And to decide whether or not what Christ did for us on the cross was sufficient. And if the answer to that is yes, then I think we need to look at our lives and decide what are our marks that set us apart. What are our marks that distinguish us as believers? And are they clearly seen? And then, what are the marks of impression? The indelible marks that we leave on those around us. To contemplate, to strive for, and to follow. Generation after generation after generation. Father, we thank you again for today. We thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the privilege that we have to read it, to understand it, to study it, to learn by it. And Lord, uh, we again, we just uh, we praise you for who you are and what you've done for us on the cross. We uh, again lift up our, our senior pastor that you continue to heal him, that he will be back next week uh, healthy and, and ready to go. Thank you, Father, that uh, for our congregation, for this church, for the people that you bring together here today, Lord, that love you and just want to continue to live their lives out for you. Strengthen them, Lord. Strengthen them to be able to be strong and courageous in spite of all those around them that would um, undermine their faith if they could. So be with them today, Lord, as they go forward. Um, We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have each and every day to do your work. We pray all that in Jesus' holy and precious name. All God's people said, amen. John will be back next week. Thank you. Have a great day, guys.